to another episode of the Drawn to Scale podcast. I'm Pablo Cortez. Uh, my guest today is Douglas Jones. Douglas is a senior associate at CMG Landscape Architecture in San Francisco, California. CMG is a mission-oriented studio working to increase social and ecological well-being through artful design. Douglas, thanks for taking the time to, uh, to join me today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks, Pablo. Thanks for having me. Congratulations on all the success on the podcast and on the practice. I appreciate that, man. Thank you very much. Um, I'd, I'd like to start by um, just expanding on how CMG increases social and ecological well-being in their work. If you can speak to that a little bit. Yeah, so great question. I think for us, specifically in the, the public realm projects, you know, which is really the focus of the practice. We obviously do other work outside of the public realm work, but it really is about the people and the people in the public spaces and the process of design through the project. And so that really gets defined for us and is one of our, you know, I would say foundation philosophies is democratic public space, right? The idea of these the ancient Greek cities having the Agora, this idea of a gathering place where everyone comes together um, from from different areas and it becomes this communal public space, public land where people can interact um, and is inclusive for everyone and is comfortable for everyone. And so I think, you know, understanding that, that people have the rights to public space, right? They, they pay taxes, they get bonds approved that then fund these public spaces. And so their voice needs to be heard as part of this public process and, you know, really engaging the community to understand really what the needs are from a cultural perspective um, and then from a programmatic perspective as well. And so I think socially that's that's one way we do it on the public public projects is, is really fundamentally getting the community involved, listening, doing a lot of listening and understanding really what they need and what the problems are that we're trying to solve. And I, from the ecological standpoint, I think it's understanding the systems that we're trying to solve, you know, connecting people more with nature, biophilic design, uh, understanding stormwater management, under, understanding sea level rise and the impact that's going to have on you know, waterfront development and what that means. And so looking at all those different systems and improving those for the overall well-being of, of cities and for specific you know, project sites. And so I think you know, those are fundamental aspects of of what we do and what we how we strive to improve cities it's a, a little more holistic approach than say private development right where it's private development's a little more catered to that specific usage right the specific group of people that are using it now you have tens and hundreds of different uses and different people using different types of people using these spaces so you have to sort of obviously get them involved and, and get their viewpoints right and see how they are not only going to use it, but how they'll benefit from the space and and uh, expanding sort of your design knowledge through that. I think. Yeah, it's it's using our I would say, letting them really be the drivers of what the design wants to be, and then using our toolkit as landscape architects or urban designers or planners or architects to really help shepherd those ideas into spatial arrangements. Uh, that, that work well. Can you speak a little bit to how um, CMG goes about acquiring these projects? Are they going? Are you going through the public works um, 
the bidding process and, and um, submitting uh, RFPs? Yeah, like a lot of it is, some of it is RFPs. I can mention a couple, I'll mention St. James Park, which I'm currently working on, which is a nine acre public park in downtown San Jose. And that was an international design competition that we won uh, in 2016. And it was really to reimagine what that park was. It's, you know, one of the oldest open spaces in San Jose, you know, dating back to the 1850s. It's two blocks from City Hall. And so there was a real desire from the city standpoint of like getting the public space to be in the modern era and evolving it, but also understanding, you know, the historic qualities to it. There's obviously this layering of history that's happened over the years, and how do you preserve that and celebrate it uh, in a way uh, that everyone can enjoy, um, but then also layering in the new program that the community has wanted from going through our community process with them. And so it's really stitching those elements together and creating a design that you know meets the needs of not only the community, but also the city, and then um, also from a design standpoint is idiosyncratic for us and how we're approaching, you know, each product, each project. Uh, is that typical of a CMG project going through, I guess I'm asking is what the percentage is. is yeah, I would say that's an outlier. That would, I would say the most, most projects are through the RFP project or process, RFQ process. And so that's generally the process that we have and then you know a lot of its connections and you know, people that we have but for all the public projects it's all going through the the necessary channels that it has to go through from a city county aspect can you define and describe your role as a senior associate and how your time is uh, allocated to cmg projects yeah so i mean it varies i think i think that's what i really love about what we do is i don't have like a mundane task and I'm constantly just doing day in day out. It's a range of things from design studies to, you know, project management and, you know, given whether we're prime on a project or not is managing, you know, the consultant team, the client group as well, but then also getting into, you know, BD pursuits, interviews, thinking about how work's coming into the office and getting more involved with that. And then, you know, public, public city presentations, client presentations. And then there's the construction side of things. So overseeing some of that and the, the teams that are involved there. And so it really is a, a range of, of skills and tasks that really define the day. And I, you know, there are very few days that are, are the same. How big is your team or I guess the CMG team currently? Yeah, so we're 40 total. And so that's that includes HR, we have a marketing and BD team, and then we have an accountant team. So I would say we're 32-ish designers, and so and the rest, other staff. I guess that would be considered sort of mid-size? Mid yeah, I would, I would say like mid-large, mid you know, depending on, since we're strictly landscape architecture, I think it's a little bit more rare where, you know, it's strictly landscape architecture, like PWP, I think. You know, maybe another one where they're fairly large in size. Um, and then obviously you've got the SWAs, OJBs, which are, more, I would say, more corporate than a, 
than we tend to be. Well, maybe we can jump into that a little bit, maybe skipping ahead, but uh, we talk a little bit about your the company culture itself, um, you know, how you guys are set up. You know, we talked a little bit before we started about the, um, you have some remote uh, uh, employees um, and how that affects the, your, your, um, your planning and production of drawings and, and projects. Um, is that something you can speak to? Yeah, so I think, you know, obviously coming out of COVID, I think we all had to pivot very quickly to be able to work remotely um, in a fashion that really didn't sacrifice the quality of the work that we were doing. And so we were able to do that well. I think, you know, some of the gaps that we've we noticed over the years, just the, the culture and the community that really we pride ourselves on at CMG. And so we recently just you know, mandated a, a three-day week policy where folks will be coming into the office Tuesday through Thursday um, from 10 to 3.30. And, and so you know, that space is really defined. I mean, there's other requirements where folks maybe need to be in the office, but those are really the, the hours that you know, we're, we're trying to, to get people into the office to build those impromptu conversations, to get the pinup culture back, to get, you know, out of the, the Zoom team's world, even though I don't, you know, we don't think it's going to go away. But how do we start to build that community again that we had prior to COVID within the office? Are you looking to go back at some point completely uh, in office? Or would you be looking at what you have now, which is keeping that mixed? Uh, you know, doesn't look like you're doing 40 hours in the office. You're only partial. Yeah, I think it's a question of, you know, how, how this evolves and where things go. I think we're always adapting. I think that's one of our strengths as an office. As a firm. Do you see any uh, differences in the quality of the work as far from moving into being back in the office as opposed to completely remote? or even just the um, delivery timelines? It hasn't, we, we're just implementing it here in, in February, so I don't, we haven't seen the direct result of it yet, but I think the, the biggest benefactors are, I think the younger folks who really absorb things just by listening in the office, which you don't really get if you're siloed in a, you know, at your house in a Teams meeting or in a Zoom meeting that you're having these impromptu conversations at a pinup wall. You're asking something, someone, hey, what are you working on? Um, so I think it, it's more of that sort of osmosis and connection within the office that I think is missing. It's just more challenging. It's more challenging to do in the virtual world because you've got to set up a meeting to have a Teams call. And like, it's just a process where you could just be go ask someone like, hey, what are you up to? Or, I've got this challenge. Can you help me? So, especially, especially on a, on a you know when you have a 30, 40 person team that you can really kind of go with, to anybody and kind of have those small conversations, right, and kind of learn a little bit about every, what everybody else is doing. Um, that was I, I, you know, I'm thinking back now at my um, career working with firms, and that was a big part of it. Is just you know taking the time to uh, scope out what everybody else is working on and kind of taking it in and. and you know, learning a little bit from that, even if it's just, you know, just a little piece at a time. Yeah, absolutely. So it's just this spontaneity that happens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, mentioning the, um, the, the younger, uh, employees, 
uh, what can you speak to CMGs? Maybe if they have a, a some sort of growth path for an entry level designer, um, you know what steps they can expect to um, you know level up in the company. Yeah, I mean, I think surprisingly, a lot of folks that we retain interned at CMG, and we've retained actually quite a few of those people. And you know, I think the growth path is really up to the individual and what they aspire to be. I think there's opportunities in any direction you want to head, whether that's from a planning perspective, from a site design perspective, from a construction, sort of back-end construction administration perspective. And we allow folks to really gravitate to what they want to they want to do and what their desires are and their ambitions are. Um, but I will say a majority of the younger folks that are going to come into the office are going to do a lot of graphics. They're going to do a lot of 3D modeling and Lumion, Grasshopper, those kinds of things. They're probably going to get to do a lot of design studies and iteration of design studies as well um, because they're on those graphic programs. And then there's obviously the, the production side that we get on the construction document and side of things. So it really is uh, sort of dep- depending on the person and where they plan on taking their career, right? Is once they know that they figured out, they can kind of focus and, and take it from there. Yeah, I mean, we're there to really foster what they want to become from a, a professional and really being open. Obviously, there's certain instances where you're not going to be able to fulfill that in every oper- every instances, but it's definitely there for the taking. Maybe you can uh, go back to your uh, the the public realm work that CMG does. Um, and maybe expand a little bit about your approach to designing public spaces. You know, you mentioned you, there is a lot of listening to the um, the users, the communities. Um, are there any other uh, elements of uh, the design that uh, you find CMG is particularly good at, or um, more you know, has a little bit more expertise in? I think our expertise is in the public realm, and I think it's also in large, complex projects, whether it's you know public or private realm. And so, but as far as our approach to designing public space, I think, again, it's a lot of listening and it's a lot of facilitating and it's building a trust with the community and that it's a partnership and what we're trying to do and create together. And it's not us, the designers and then the community, but it's uniting those folks and uniting all of us to really come together as a collective to, to realize these public spaces. And then I think, you know, there's the idea of innovation, obviously for us is, you know, bringing the experience that we have in the past and our portfolio and thinking about things in a new way. Um, And whether that's the streetscapes um, public realm, or if that's, you know, a public public square or an, an alleyway, in San Francisco. So I think, you know, thinking about all those things, I mean, the public projects are hard. I mean, there's no, no doubt about it and they take a long time, but I mean, I think to me, that's part of the, the challenge and, and the fun out of it is it's really challenging, but it's really rewarding when it, when it's realized. Yeah. And even though they're public works projects, they're pretty varied, not only the project type, but well, I mean, not the project type itself, but the process of each project can be 
wildly different from one to the next, right? As far as dealing with the, uh, working with the, the, not only the community, but also uh, city staff, you know, and going through the plan check process and the planning process with them. Yeah, and I think even working with facilitators that are, like say, we're, we're working outside of our local agencies, but bringing on a consultant that really facilitates the community involvement, that really has more of a connection to the community um, or has ties to the community, where we can start to build that trust with them, I think is also another critical, pivotal piece. Does uh, the CMG usually the uh, you know, the prime on a project like this, or are you working closely with uh, you know a larger team, architects, civil engineers, uh, on these types of projects, or do you bring them into to the fold? It just ranges, like like so for the for the park the project that I mentioned in St James Park. So we are the prime on that project. So all the consultants are under us. So there's, you know, there's four, four park buildings. There's a Levitt pavilion, which has a, a designer architect associated with it. There's, you know, roughly seven to eight consultants that we're managing along with the city. Uh, how long do you, I mean, maybe this project, you have a little bit of an idea, but do you have a, like a, a range of how long certain projects take on the public side of things? As far it as just, initial, it just, initial it just ranges. It's uh, I'd say major public realm public realm projects. Ten years, I would say. Ten years is a, a decade. Is I would say a, a good benchmark. But I mean, there are projects that happen quicker than that. It's just um, I, I would say as a, a general average, it's it's probably in the the ten eight to ten year range. Yeah, yeah. From initial. From, from initial, uh, 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 I guess, thought <laughs> that this project should be a thing to when it's actually in the ground. Yeah, it's a very interesting so like process. A, as an example, like Willy Woo Woo Wong Park, we just finished in 2021. And that was a, a public park in Chinatown that had been, you know, really in need of a facelift. And it's one of the densest neighborhoods in the country. And open space is, is you know, not readily available. And you know, this was an open space that had been around since the early 1920s. And this, you know, the funding for this all came out of a 2012 bond from the city of San Francisco um, that the, the people had paid for. And so that just wrapped up, you know, nine years, I guess, as far as, you know, from a timeline standpoint. So. Do you think the timeline stretch that how the timelines are stretched out is that due to say the municipality portion of it is it more community-based is it like what do you what would you say the main factor in in why these projects take so long is it's generally funding because the bonds get released there's a bond and then a certain portion of the bond gets released every year every couple years and then that fee is is used and then the city has to then reallocate either tax dollars or you know, initiate another bond to then fund the project. And so that's, that's been the challenge. Like even with St. James, we started in 2016. We, we basically finished SD in 2018. It then went on hold for basically until 2022, just from a funding stream standpoint. And now we just finished DD and it'll probably hopefully going into CDs in the next year. So some time <laughs> so it's, you got to yeah, be patient 
Yes, right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, it's, that's a big uh, quality to have, right? Um, yeah. Uh, Doug, one thing one thing we didn't mention up front is you and I used to work together at a, a firm over in Newport Beach for a little bit um, years ago. What, 2015, 2014? Yeah, it was a long time ago now. Right back then, yeah. Um, so you've been working in the Orange County, LA area, um, and now you're up in the Bay Area. Is Do you see any big differences in, or similarities between designing you know, either private or public spaces and the approaches might be a little different or maybe how they're the same between the two different areas? I mean, the similarities is they're great. There's great design, I think, in the LA, San Francisco, Bay Area, um, regardless in urban design that's happening. I mean, like the renaissance of downtown LA, at least. It's been a while since I've been there, but you know, there was a real renaissance happening when I left like seven years ago. And so, you know, that's that. I think density is very comparable to what's happening in San Francisco, obviously, and, you know, some of the East Bay as well. I think Orange County is just like an outlier. Like this, I think it's more suburban in its quality. I mean, there's our little urban moments that happen. And I think depending on where you are, that, that changes drastically. But I, I think I would say, I would consider that more suburban like if you looked at that holistically versus, you know, specifically like downtown LA is what I'm talking about or San Francisco. And the beer. Yeah. And then I would say differences is San Francisco is really tight knit on the design community. And generally projects are either designed and, and constructed by or realized by local design firms. Whereas, I mean, there's obviously, you know, firms that have come in more recently with Tunnel Tops and China Basin that's happening. Um, but I would say for the most part, there's a lot of connectivity on keeping it local from a design perspective, whereas LA, it seems like there's a lot of folks that may be coming in and designing spaces uh, that aren't necessarily a part of that design community. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh, something you see here a lot is, uh, you know, you have, uh, I mean, it's not, it's not like we're, uh, it's not like a huge area, but there are certain corners of Southern California where, you know, you, you, you would think someone in that area would be able to take on that project, but no, it's somebody from the opposite corner that is handling that, that portion, right? That portion of the project. Um, cool. Uh, so Doug, we're coming up on the end here. Is there, um, how can people learn more about CMG's work? Yeah, check out our website at cmgsite.com and you can check out some of the projects I mentioned. There's you know, some of the, the ideas and the strategies that really drive what we do regarding democratic public space, uh, innovation, climate resiliency, innovation and craft, all, the, all that's there and get a good sense of our work and yeah yeah we'll uh we'll post a link in, in the uh in the show notes um thanks again doug and um it's friday so uh, have a good weekend yeah you too good talking with you pablo good to connect again after all these years 